Welcome to the Making Space podcast. I'm Jen Pilipow, and this show is dedicated to bringing awareness to our habits and their root causes, because I believe that with awareness comes choice, and with choice comes change. As a hypnotherapist, I know how much our subconscious minds influence us, but as a human on my own healing journey, I also know it's not always just about mindset. I understand how important integration and embodiment is and how those terms can feel confusing and hard to implement. And these are the themes that I like to unpack in this show. This is season three, and I'm joined with my dear friend and colleague, Jennifer Kelly. Jennifer is a professional development trainer and positive psychology coach, and together we're exploring the effects of people-pleasing from our own perspectives, experiences, and circumstances. And we hope our conversation sparks some insight in you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Inner Child Reparenting Workshop, now available on my website at an introductory price. If you have trouble with boundaries and saying no, if you have a harsh inner critic and unreasonably high expectations of yourself and maybe others, if you're highly anxious and you worry about what people think of you, if you ignore or distract from intense emotion or your own needs, then these are all signs that your inner child could use some reparenting and you are the best person to do it. This workshop will help you connect in, actively reparent, and work towards honoring and accepting this part of you. And by connecting into your emotions, you're embodying while releasing old belief systems, making space for fresh new perspectives, choices, and change. This workshop is available now, and you can get the link in the show notes or visit my website at jenpillipow.com. Also, if you are interested in a people-pleasing workshop delivered by Jennifer and I, we would love to know. Head over to the show notes, submit your interest in the link provided so that we know that we need to get on making that. And finally, if you're liking this show, please subscribe because this helps raise visibility so that other people can find it too. And that would mean so much to us. I'm working on this course right now called Compassionate Inquiry, and I'm just getting like lots of good juicy bits from that. So as I was working on that last week, I was just kind of making notes and some themes came out and it's some themes that we've already touched on. And I kind of see us kind of revisiting as often as they come up because they're big topics. So things like coping by avoiding the avoidant attachment style, self-blame, Actually, let me just stop there because that's already quite, that's already a lot. Coping by avoiding, we already kind of talked about. And the amount of self-blame that goes in, because as I was editing our last episode, I was just recognizing so much guilt in both of us and so much blame, like things that are are happening in the way that we're reacting and then feeling bad about ourselves for that when really like it's it's not our fault (laughs) to put it really simply. (laughs) I know. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that because this is going to seem like it's unrelated, but it's connected to your point. Um, I'm doing physio for a hip injury and the exercises he gave me are really difficult on my knees. And when I had to tell him this, like I was so dejected and he's been working with me for like close to 20 years. Like, and he said, you know, you view everything as a failure, like you failed something. And it's like, it's not even your fault, but automatically it's like you, you perceive it as though you've failed at something you've, 
you haven't done something as well as you could have. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Like I feel guilty and I feel like bad that I couldn't master this. And you're right. Like, I think we perceive a lot of situations like that, whether it's a physio exercise or an interpersonal relationship. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just give ourselves those two choices, right? Like either it's working and we're good or it's not mm-hmm. working and something is wrong with us. And that's, that's right. really that deep shame um, where it's not that we did something wrong. It's that we feel we are wrong. And exactly. Yeah. And, and where is the root of that? You know, like what is the root? Where is the root of that? And and how is it still so pervasive in our lives? I know I, it is so pervasive because my feeling about this, as you've heard me say so many times, is that we've programmed this into our childhood brains and belief system. And so it's there running the program underneath, just like um, a program in the background of your computer that's taking up a lot of space and it's running and you don't even see it. And so it's there. And if I look back and use myself as an example, for me, that shame comes from not being able to express my emotions because emotions Mm. that were acceptable in my world at that time were just a certain amount of happiness and probably neutrality, right? And anything kind of outside of that peripheral was deemed as scary because nobody really knew mm-hmm. what to do. And that was something you dealt with in private and interesting. Yeah. So not being able to express yourself, be it feelings, be it anything is really hard on the soul. And if yeah. you've made that wrong about yourself, then that just creates an enormous amount of shame. Like you just feel like maybe you can't yeah. even put your finger on it, but there's something wrong with me. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, I can really relate to that because in, from my childhood, it was just, you know, every, I wasn't good enough or I wasn't doing things in a proper mm-hmm. or a specific mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I didn't know the right way. So then when you're left yeah. alone to piece this together, yes. I find it's, it's such a vulnerable place to be in and when you're really sensitive. And again, you have a lot of compassion, empathy towards others. Mm -hmm. Uh, you just have a very sensitive, vulnerable nature. So when you're Mm -hmm. alone trying to process and put these things together, like, what am I doing wrong here? Why is this happening? I think you're just more susceptible to sending yourself messages like, well, it's got to be you then. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we're Mm -hmm. sitting with some comforting figure who's helping us pick this apart. (laughs) It's not like we're with, you know, we were with each other to be able to talk (laughs) this out, you know, and and to kind of balance each other out and say, oh, have you thought of it this perspective? No, we're just on our own in our bedrooms, like trying to piece this together as a very sensitive, emotional person. And we're going to blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think that there is more susceptibility to things like that. If you are highly sensitive, highly empathic, and you're really picking up on things. Yeah. I think that can exasperate it. Exactly. I I completely agree. Um, And I I don't know what that is. Like I've done some reading on that, like the, the highly sensitive person, the HSP Mm -hmm. and apparently it is traced back to there's, there's just some extra, 
padding or room in the brain. I'm not sure the science behind yeah. it, but you know, you're, there's just something is there that leads you to be more hypersensitive, but nevertheless, it is the way we tend to process the world um, mm -hmm. and situations and incidents. So I think some of it is it's rooted in childhood, but it's also rooted in the way we learned to interpret these events yes. and process these events. Yeah, and that's a really important part of it, that interpretation. And this is how you can have siblings in the same family with completely different reactions to the same oh, situations, right? Because it's all how we're interpreting and it's the meaning right. we're placing on it. And so right. when I'm working with people and we're doing hypnotherapy, it's we're always, if we revisit anything, it's remembering that, you know, that is <clears throat> what happens, but we've placed a certain meaning on that. And although we can't change what happened, we can always change the meaning that we put on it. Right. That is so true. That is so true. And, and buying into that more than um, our instinctual reaction. But I really feel that the latter, we have to teach ourselves to do it. And I know you do a lot of this work mm -hmm. um, in hypnotherapy we have to teach ourselves to unlearn the instinctive initial reaction and then yeah. teach ourselves another pattern. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing that, and I don't know if this connects back to the course you're doing, but I, I've been doing more reading about self-compassion mm -hmm. and everything on, you know, this list or everything I read about, I feel like I do really well for others, but with myself, I stumble. And that makes sense given what we just talked about, how there's a lot of guilt and shame and our reactions to situations, whether it's people pleasing or, mm -hmm. you know, not being able to do something well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of work around that self-compassion piece too. And Kristen Neff is a really good resource for that. I'll put that in the show notes, but um, I was working with my therapist through that. And she was just identifying a lot of the self-blame that I have around, you know, setting boundaries or things that the ways that I've reacted really? in the past, just based uh, on my avoidant attachment oh. style. Mm -hmm. But, and she had asked me, to my homework was to come up with some compassionate things to say to myself because I was honestly stumped. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> it's like, what, what do we, I know. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like I, I know I have some go-to lines for friends, right. To, to help them in those situations. But when it comes to myself, I'm like, I don't really even know what that looks like or what that means. And so that's pretty telling. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And, you know, here's another thing, like, is self-compassion taught? <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. Like, we we are taught how to get it from others. Like, yeah, you know, we yeah. know if we behave in a certain way, or if we act in a certain way, we may get some compassion. Actually, a better way to word it might be our parents. Yeah hopefully will give us compassion if it's a healthy family situation yeah. or a family member, or maybe, yeah. maybe a friend at school, but we're still getting it externally. You know, are we ever taught like, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's so funny. Cause as you're saying this, I'm thinking about my parenting style with Roger. Right. And I'm like, am I teaching him self-compassion? No. And that's because I don't do it for myself, but now that I'm, I'm learning it and now that we're talking about it, I'm seeing all these great opportunities for it. I mean, last night we were playing a memory game 
and he won one and he lost one and he was just so overwhelmed with emotion and so upset and big tears Mm. and you know I was talking him through it and working with him but that would have been a really good place to bring in some self-compassion like and again I'm I find myself stuck like what would that even look like like what could I say to him well exactly because we haven't like we have we don't know ourselves we haven't learned ourselves like yeah you know and that kind of like how if we look at how we learn anything whether it's Mm -hmm. a school topic or a behavior Mm -hmm. yeah we learn through modeling so watching someone else model the behavior we learn by gaining knowledge or research uh, we learn by doing, and if we haven't had the opportunity to do any of that, it just remains this sort of knowledge-based, vague concept mm-hmm. that we'd love to try, mm-hmm. but but we don't know. So I feel like, okay, we were never taught it, so now we have to learn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there is an element of just learning like the vocabulary around it, right? And learning to mm-hmm. say it like an affirmation, but then there's this whole other piece of it, of learning it somatically, like learning what does that feel like in my body when I say to myself like it's safe it's okay to cry and it's you're doing your best and your best is enough and how does that feel in the body and I think that you know when I think about myself it's I'm still working on that integration like I'm learning the words to say but it's almost like it bypasses my body and it's just like another affirmation something that I'm telling myself but I don't fully believe yet And so I think in order for me to deepen that, it's probably going to be just sitting with it and really feeling into my body and where do I feel it? And is it maybe at first it's just discomfort because I'm not used to it. And what does that feel like? And then there will be a layer under that and a layer under that. And maybe one of those deep layers is finally accepting it in and feeling some safety around it. Um, I was working with my somatic coach on Uh, fear of spiders, right? I've been working on this for a little while. And um, she was, we were, my last session, we got to talking about safety and she, and she was like asking me where in my life I feel safe. And when I think of that place, and there wasn't very many to like, it was very shocking and surprising to me. Um, And she was like, well, how do you know you're safe? Like how, and not with your mind, don't tell me with words, but how do you know within your body that your body feels safe? And I was like, okay, well, you know, my organs feel relaxed. My, there's a warm feeling in my stomach. My shoulders are relaxed. My jaw is relaxed. And those are indications that my body feels safe. And it's not coming from my head. I'm not telling myself that I'm safe and forcing myself to believe it, but I'm experiencing experiencing what that's like in my physical body and that's a really big integration piece right and I I find you're really yeah and I find you're really good at that I I'm not so much good with that and I don't know why because you know I'm so connected through my body through fitness and health but I never I have to be honest I never think of that element um, of how it's feeling in my body I, I don't consciously think of that for some reason. Yeah. I don't know that many of us were taught to make that connection with how Mm. emotions feel in the body. I feel like a lot of the people that I work with and myself that we were taught that disconnection, like, oh, you're feeling something. Don't feel that. Don't be mad. Don't be sad. Shove it down. And in order to do that, you need to disconnect from yourself. And 
when you disconnect from yourself, that's disconnecting from your true authenticity. And that feels horrible. And so what do we do in order to create that external sense of safety? We people please. We work on perfectionism. We try to meet those needs externally. And it creates this whole vicious cycle, right? And then we get into like our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. And we're like, I don't know who I am. (laughs) I'm so disconnected from myself. You're right. And that's amazing because I was just going to say, well, what do we do with that? Is that we people and we set our standards really, really high and we feel shamed or guilty if we don't meet this invisible standard that we, you know, we have for ourselves. I know it's, you know, I never thought about how it was, it's, you know, people pleasing our original topic that we dived into so much last week, like underneath that bedrock is really the shame and the guilt. And, and you kind of just felt that out just from listening to us. Now that we talk it through, I really see that, you know, and if, if also, like, who wants to experience these uncomfortable emotions, like feeling ashamed? And so Mm -hmm. we feel, I wonder too, if we just feel like, well, if I do what I think the person wants me to do here, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel good. And I remember saying that from last week, um, in the situation of the story I told, like Mm -hmm. when I attempted to tell this individual who uh, was following me and there was all that unhealthy behavior, when I attempted to tell him, I don't feel good here. I don't want to speak with you. Like I could see his emotions changing and I felt bad Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to make that better. And then I felt better. So, and that's that risk reward. Yeah. Like we talked about last time, we're also gaining something from this. And I think the other thing we're gaining is that we don't then have to feel the shame and feel bad and right. But the whole thing is, is that we don't actually need to feel ashamed or bad. No, <laughs> right. We don't have anything to feel mm-hmm. ashamed of, about. We have the right to express how we feel. We have the right to back ourselves, but yeah, reaffirming that is really hard. Yes, it is. And, and it's not like, you know, you you talked about how, you know, in that moment, you can feel better, and then you don't feel the shame, but that shame just comes later. And so it's, it's just like an easy, quick fix. And then we just learn to shove it down so that we don't have to experience it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I did try my exercise that I said that I would do last yeah. last week with yeah. the, um, the friend that I've been avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting because so I did, I tried to pause and think more carefully, like, okay, what would be a suitable time for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did create a time mm-hmm. and he agreed to the time, but then he suggested this walking location that I didn't want to go to. Oh, interesting. But, but, you know, again, instinctively I said, yes. And then it's like the same pattern. And then yeah. hours later, I'm like, I don't want to drive up there. I just yeah. don't want to drive up there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fighting it and I wanted to cancel and I was like okay what is the compromise here between you know my avoidance of this yeah (laughs) Um, and then also being authentic so I just I I messaged him and I just said I'm going to be really honest with you I agreed to that particular trail but I just don't feel like that today I'd like to meet in a more neutral location and and I did it and he agreed to it and I finally had some of it on my terms and I didn't backpedal it that was another thing awesome usually if I do do this 
when we finally meet, mm -hmm. I'll be apologizing for it. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't go to the trail you wanted, but I, I didn't. I just allowed myself that trail. <laughs> and it was, it was hard. I felt mm -hmm. uncomfortable and the whole, like I was proud of myself, but there were several points during the walk where I thought, oh, they're probably irritated because he, he, he would make a few comments like, this is the trail near my work. And then I wanted to say, oh, I'm so sorry, but I managed not to say it, but it's still yeah. up there. <laughs> Good for you that there's so many big wins in that. And <clears throat> it's funny how I'll do this too, where I'll um, say I'll, I'll, what my, what one of my needs are, and then I'll compromise on another one. Cause I feel bad about already stating a need. <clears throat> oh so God. like you said, like you agreed to that one trail that like, I, I totally would do that, but how amazing that you had the hard conversation and just said, listen, this is what I'm really feeling today. How about we do this? And so that feeling of feeling proud of yourself, like how often do we get to experience that? That's a really good feeling. Not very often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then that's an opportunity then to be compassionate. Like this was mm -hmm. my first real attempt to not people, please. I did pretty good for that first awesome. attempt. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of that celebratory compassionate, you did pretty good for this, you know, and, and now maybe next time you can try this, like that supportive kind of what yes. a friend would say, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like this isn't something that you're used to doing. It's new and you're doing awesome. It, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, this is things that I would again, teach to others. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and I know, you know, we, we know this, but like, yeah, why does it have to be so hard sometimes? Mm -hmm. But you know, that awareness is so important. The ability that you were able to step back and first of all, recognize your discomfort with the trail that he wanted to go on recognize that you wanted something different and exploring that there's so much power in that because you're giving yourself a choice. So rather than just avoiding or withdrawing or canceling, which perpetuates the victimhood in us, right? You True. decided to sit with the emotion, feel into it, take your control back, take that empowerment and, and simply ask for what you need. And that need was easily met. Mm, wow. Yeah, it sounds like a really great formula. I know. Um, I always like a good formula for these emotional things. I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. But, you know, now, of course, it's following through on the formula and actually implementing it. And, you know, another thing I've noticed too, and I think this is connected to the people pleasing, is that I always try to fix people's emotional states yes. this is another like behavior yes. I've noticed you know I'm I'm like really desperately trying to fix someone else's emotional state or convince them to believe something else when of course we have no real we can influence but how much deep power do we have to change someone's thinking it and it's it's you're right it's not up to us to fix other people to fix their emotional states and that actually doesn't do them any favors because they were basically removing their ability to learn whatever they need to work through. 
Mm. So it's, it's manipulative again, right? We talked about that in the last episode. You're right. You're right. I can't believe I didn't see that connection. Well, it's so interesting. And cause this has been a really, really big lesson for me that I'm continuing to learn. And, and it really is not linear in any way. It's so back and forth and, and it, because it's such a knee jerk reaction, sometimes I don't recognize that I've done it until hindsight. And so then I have to learn through that and then try to be better next time. and have a lot of self-compassion for misstepping, right. When I quote unquote, know better. Um, but this, this has been such a big lesson, especially, um, you know, becoming a coach and doing hypnotherapy and, and Reiki and all these different forms of, you know, help in, and recognizing in myself that it's not my job to fix anybody and that everybody's on their own journey. I simply meet them where they are and help them with the next step on their journey, whatever that may be. And, and, and that's why I've always been so uncomfortable with the marketing aspect of what I do, because I never want to be like, I'm going to take this away from you. We're going to take away your people pleasing. We're going to take away your perfectionist. Like, I just don't think that, first of all, that I'm a bulletproof answer. I think that our healing comes in all different forms and requires many different healers and coaches and therapists. And it, it, one person can never be the solution, but it can be somebody that helps you with that next step on your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this reminds me of, uh, I did this family constellation session, which is like this oh. really cool modality where there's a facilitator and, and um, you show up to this facilitation I didn't do anything other than observe. And what the facilitator does is she brings in representatives. So for mine, there was, I think, three representatives that showed up for it. And the representatives show up and they feel into whatever energy is coming through for them. And then they sort of like play out whatever they're experiencing. So they're saying, one person might say, oh, I feel really negative towards representative three. I feel like they're out to get me. I feel, and they just start (laughs) conversing with each other. And then partway through, it's a two hour session and partway through the facilitator will say, okay, representative number one, you're Jen's grandmother, representative number two, you're Jen's career, representative number three, you're Jen's mother or whatever, right? And then you can start to see the relationships and how the energy is interacting with each other. So having said that, my expectation going into it and why I booked the session is I wanted to um, understand my relation, my energetic relationship with my career better. And I thought that in understanding that it would remove obstacles for me and make things easier. What ended up happening was it revealed a big piece of healing that I need to do in order to remove the obstacles. So that practitioner didn't take anything away from me and, and I wouldn't want them to, because then I'll miss all the lessons, but what she did for me is expose what is ready to be healed so that I can start working on those layers. And then I knew what to do because I had clarity and awareness and what was ready to heal. I knew how to move forward. And a big piece of that understanding, by the way, was when I start, I learned that my attachment style is avoidant. And then all the pieces started to come together as to why 
I've reacted the way I have in certain relationships in my past, the way that I've done certain things, why I've done it. And then I was able to have so much more compassion for myself because it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm such a bad person because I, I did this thing um, because mm-hmm. I left this relationship without saying goodbye or, you know, all, all the things that I had a lot of regret and shame over. Yeah. And I, I was able to step back and say, I understand why I did that. And I did that from a place where I was really hurting and I now know how to heal that part of myself. Yeah, like something happened and say you really deeply regretted it. Like, would you be able to kind of trace back the origins and, and follow through with some of the healing practices that, that you've learned for your previous regrets? Yeah, because I, I think it just comes from being able to understand myself better. Yeah, yeah. And there's just a lot of compassion in that because it, now it, it's, now I see that I had less choice then yeah. because I was reacting from a place of hurt rather than responding from a place of being healed. Wow. That, that's amazing. You've done so much work here, like so much deep inner work. I, I feel like um, I'm kind of a, an apprentice. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're all apprentices in this life, right? Of being human. But I, I have put in a lot of hours and that's really been a lot. It's a lot of privilege, right? The ability mm-hmm. to um, have the time and the space to do that and to have been able to step away from work as much as I have to be able to focus on that really is quite a privilege. I recognize that. You know what though? I have to think like, and I know like, I don't know how this would work, but like imagine if employers and workplaces <laughs> like, I don't know, allowed people more of their own time I know. to kind of, to, to, you know, to, to delve into their own challenges or to do some inner work, especially, you know, if they're suffering from a mental health challenge yeah. or even suffering from something yeah. going on at work, if work was just able to give people space and time, because in order for you to do this deep work, you had to give yourself yeah. the time yes. and you're self-employed. So it made that easier. But what yeah. about those who aren't? It just keeps yeah. getting buried and buried. Yes. Yeah. Or let's look at even families. Like mm-hmm. it would, what, imagine if partners were able to, mm-hmm. I don't know, just carry more of the load so that the other person could take some time to do some deep inner work around their demons or their challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, what would we be all like as a society? <laughs> it really oh, makes me yeah. think. Yeah, it's, it's, that's such an important thing that you just said, because oftentimes what happens is there's some sort of inciting incident, and then somebody has to take the time to stop and go through it. Either there's a diagnosis, or there's a death, or there's something really big and traumatic that happens that somebody has to finally just say, okay, stop, I have to do this. But what you're right, like, what if there the metric of, of working on yourself, the invisible metrics, right. That come with personal development. What if that was like an actual um, metric that you had to meet at work at like, um, a quarterly meeting to be like, okay, so you produce this, 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 and this, and then mentally your, your health, your personal development, you also did this, this, and which is harder to measure. Right. But Yeah, I don't know. I I like what <laughs> I like what you said. I wish there was a way. <laughs> or, you know, does it start in the school system? Mm-hmm. Like, does it start, mm-hmm. you know, I recently um I had a, a client, there were a nonprofit social organization, and mm-hmm. 
it was like a strategic planning session and we were asking like, you know, what new innovations do we need to put into place for youth? So they service homeless youth um, in, in the city. And one thing that kept coming up that I thought was so interesting was the importance of offering like life and personal well-being curriculum early on in education. Yeah. And I know some of this should be coming through the, the family structure. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it would make a large difference if it wasn't also being coming through the family setting, but I found that so interesting. Like the idea again, and we've circled back to this teaching, teaching self-compassion, teaching self-awareness. Yeah teaching how to analyze your reactions and your emotions, teaching yourself about your body. Self-trust. Yeah. Self-trust. Like, and I have seen in positive psychology, like I have seen some of this coming up for yeah. universities and at the college level, like teaching yeah. students to manage their breathing and practicing mindfulness mm -hmm. as a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. But it's really in childhood, as you know, mm -hmm. from your experience and the work you've done, where all of this is rooted. Mm -hmm. And if we could just, I don't know, like, not attack it because there's that really strong language again, but like visit this early. Would it make a difference? I wonder. Like, yeah. would would everybody then be in their forties, <laughs> like talking about this and still saying yes to walks if they don't want to go on? Like, I don't <laughs> what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that um, I think you're right about everything that you said. I think um, we're kind of at a cusp right now. I feel in the world where. Um, we've got some middle-aged people doing this work and that's affecting the parenting and the relationships they have with children, which affects them. And then, you know, if we could have this in the schooling system, how different that would be to what a difference that would make for so many people. And then how much of a different world would we live in if people were living authentically, if they were expressing themselves with their unique gifts and talents and voice and they did what was right for them. I think yeah. it would just be such a, a rich and colorful world instead of having all these people trying to carbon copy what they think other people want. It's not as interesting. I, I totally agree with you. I, I can't agree enough, like the difference, you know, that, that there would be. But, you know, you're, it seems to me you're trying to, you've instilled a lot of this wonderful insight into Roger. Like, do you mm -hmm. feel that? Yeah, I do. I work really hard at that. As you know, I've had my parenting coaches and <laughs> courses, um, and, but, and a lot of that is just seeing a mirror for myself and, and the, and, and highlighting the work that I need to do. That's he's, that's been his gift for me. And as I work on that and show up differently for him, that's ending the way that you know, we can call that generational trauma where, you know, I was raised a certain way because my mom was raised a certain way and, and the trauma she experienced in, in her life and my dad and, and the way that their parents were raised, um, right. I'm doing it differently. And, and that's so healing for me and, and I believe positive for Roger. And, and a lot of that work is just around allowing him and, and teaching him about emotions. What is it? What emotion are you feeling now? Where are you yeah. feeling it in your body? You know, yesterday he was just like really whiny and he's, mm. he's not usually like that. And has, it's, has, it's been a long time. I mean, he's turning six, so he's kind of, he's out of that age, but we just got really curious with it. And we, we lied down together and I was like, okay, so 
what's that sound you're making? Where is it coming from? What colors are you seeing? And what does that feel like? And what kind of a sound would that make? And we just had fun playing with it. And then he was making like this really cute squeaky sound. And he's like, I need five more squeaks. I'm like, let's do five more squeaks. And and it it was just um, so much more fun than just being like, stop it. Use your big boy voice, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that is amazing. And you know, that reminds me, you know, the emotion wheel. I use that all yeah. the time with my clients. I had a pillowcase made of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And you know, I have it in one of the courses that I teach at the university. And what surprised me was that the participant said, and this makes me think of you and Roger. She said, I use this for myself mm-hmm. and my daughter mm-hmm. and, and it's on our fridge awesome. and every morning they go through this exercise and I'm like, you know, it's so simple, but yet it's so powerful. Yeah. But I, you know, and I look at, so then I automatically think as we talk like, well, what's preventing everyone from looking at the emotion wheel and yeah. gaining insights from it. And yeah. I think space, yeah. time, willingness, and I think you have to be aware and those four, they're commodities and they're hard yeah. to get, especially yeah. in a busy, hectic world. And mm-hmm. I would say time is the, the most challenging commodity to find for busy professionals. And that goes along with space. But then if you also lack the emotional awareness that these are good exercises and that they can help you get through certain challenges well, then you don't have anything. I feel like without awareness, you won't even recognize that you need to try to get the time and space. So when I think about how we can teach this or what can we do around this for others, I think automatically it's teaching awareness first and, you know, maybe teaching that in little kids or Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. The awareness for me has always been a really big part of it because then you give yourself space to realize that you have a choice and choice is so powerful and choices. What we don't have as kids, you know, we we're, we're told something and we believe it and we don't even know that we can be discerning or have choice. So the one thing that we have now as adults that we didn't have then is choice. And so if we can have some space and have some awareness around what's going on, where am I blocked and, and why, and, and to bring some awareness then you're opening up some healing because you're giving yourself a choice point. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I keep thinking about, I guess, others <laughs> notice that. I keep thinking about how I can bring this to others. But that's also just- your teaching, right? Your teaching background, your coaching. I guess, but it just shows again how, like, why aren't I plotting a formula <laughs> for myself. Like I'm not hanging the emotion wheel on my fridge. Like, you know, <laughs> like my instinct is to like, oh, how can we bring how can we bring this to others and teach it to others? And I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but it's like if I could just circle some of that around <laughs> and, and even think of, well, why don't I teach more of this to myself first before mm-hmm. I automatically give it to others? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and that can be like we talk about in positive psychology is the overuse strengths, right? But it's also teaching what you most need and want to learn yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I mean, it is kind of an interesting question. And like, what if you hung the emotion wheel on your fridge? 
Yeah, you know, I've thought about it so many times. Really? Um, yeah, I have. And for some reason, I don't do it. And, and some of that is maybe, yeah, I'm so externally focused. Um, mm. And I, I wonder, too, if I did that more, I'd be able to recognize when I'm unconsciously manipulating a situation or a person mm. to, to get a reaction that I prefer, mm -hmm. you know, because only, you know, say my in the people pleasing, the emotion that comes up for me is feeling uncomfortable or fear or then I could mind that a little bit more and give that some thought and kind of work through it before my automatic, okay, I'm going to just say yes, right? So, mm -hmm. and I'm saying yes to manipulate a situation so that I don't have to deal with the authentic emotion. So I wonder as if mm -hmm. a first step, if, yeah, if I was able to just identify right now, you're feeling pressured, you're feeling this, yeah. it might act as like a, a barrier for me to at least stop <laughs> And, and study a little bit more before I react. Yeah. Okay. I think there's so many good things that you just said there. I want to highlight. So it, it is, it's taking that pause so that you can have an awareness so that you can have a choice. And so something that I've been doing that I've found to be really helpful, and this is a pretty new practice and it really since learning about my avoidant attachment style, because that avoidant attachment style is yes, how I, I work within my relationships, but it's also my relationship to myself, my relationship to my career. And so I'd be, I would have avoid my own emotions. And mm -hmm. so what I've been doing is a client years ago gave me this book dictionary of emotions. And what I'll sometimes do is just go through it and like go through each page and be like, okay, do I feel this? Do I feel this? Because there's so many nuances and too often I'll just be like, well, I, I'm mad or I'm sad or I'm, I'm happy and, and happy was not very often and, and not really breaking it down. But when you break it down to all the different, and that's why the emotion wheel actually is really good because it'll give you those six core ones and then it breaks them down into different nuances of that same feeling because wow. sometimes it's not anger sometimes it's resentment or something else right and so i just found for myself a, an entry point in is the, the words and the vocabulary because it's tactile and and feel mm -hmm. safer. It gets more of that mental level than getting into the emotional level. So it's kind of like a doorway in for me. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. I think that's brilliant. I found a, a lot of comfort around reading definitions. Yeah, I, I, I think I would be like that because it's that <laughs> understanding again right yeah. like yeah, we like to, and, and I think it's true for a lot of us we like to understand where we're coming from and we like to know the origins right we want yeah. to see how it fits but yeah it fits. yeah yeah <laughs> I always have this image of a big puzzle and I get so excited when I start finding puzzle pieces that fit together <laughs> I'm nowhere near completing this puzzle by the way <laughs> Maybe it's a, an, an endless puzzle. Maybe Probably. Yeah, it, it's meant to be an, an endless puzzle. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I have to say today, I think um, what's really leaping out at me is the, the tendency that I, which I think is another form of people pleasing to what I just said a moment ago to try to convince someone to think differently about a situation or to get them to react differently or change behavior 
you know, I think through all this conversation, I'm seeing it as like, I think it's another form of people pleasing, just disguised. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like people pleasing, but I think the manipulative part is really leaping out at me, like the same kind of theme there, like, I want the other person to change their behavior or how they're thinking because I'm uncomfortable. I think what it boils down to for me is it keeps everybody on a a surface level where we don't have to go deeper, where it might be uncomfortable or difficult. We might have Mm -hmm. to look at things that we don't like. If somebody's not agreeing with you, if you're not agreeing with somebody, then they're going to have to manage the emotions that brings up in them. So it's almost like you have to do double duty, right? Cause you're uncomfortable bringing up that you're, you, you want to disagree. And then you have to manage the discomfort of seeing their discomfort. Right. Exactly. You're right. So it's hard. It's a lot of heavy lifting. And if we're not used to feeling discomfort, <laughs> it's like a really bad situation to find yourself in. No wonder we avoid it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And, and you know what, that goes back to having uh, confidence, having self-compassion, having boundaries you know, <laughs> and boundaries and being able to self-soothe. Like it's, it's all, it's all really connected. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the fun of being human. <clears throat> you get to work through those layers. Yeah. I think for me now, you know, I think I can still, you know, one example of picking a different trail isn't going to fix my. Oh, but it's such a good foundational building, right? Yeah. And it just brings more awareness. Actually, I wanted to say you and I experienced a similar situation with booking Fridays, right? Because Fridays didn't really work for you. Oh, you're right. But you were like, I really, I want to do this. That works for her. I'm just going to put myself, I'm going to fit myself in, but really it didn't work for you. And so luckily, I mean, I think we did find a way that it works for both of us ongoing and it's probably better. You're right. And I did think about that afterwards. I thought, now, did I people please here in choosing Friday? And I don't know if I did it consciously, but I can definitely say that I don't give a lot of thought to how it works for me, which mm-hmm. is people pleasing, but not maybe the direct label of it. Like I can't say, and that's what's so concerning to me. And I've shared mm-hmm. this with you that I'm not seeing it, yeah. right? And I shared that with you last week. Like I don't trust myself anymore because yeah. I'm not seeing the links. And it's the same thing with those Fridays. I did not consciously say I'm going to agree to Fridays because Jen suggested it. And obviously it works for Jen. I didn't say that, but I also didn't ask myself, is this really a good day? I didn't take that pause and say, now, before I agree to this, let me look at things, visualize how my Fridays usually go and think this through. It works for Jen, but let me check to see if it works for me. That didn't come up at all. You know what? Sorry to interrupt you. This is something else that I I think is a a theme that I've noticed because I do this too. And so I I recognize it in you. Um, But it's also this idea of lack, like there's not enough. Like if I don't, I want to do this. And if I don't take what's offered, it's not going to be available. Mm. It's like, this is the only time. And that's not true. I mean, we just have to find another time that works. And it actually, I think it worked out way better. 
Yeah, and, and it did. And, and it was just a matter of looking at it critically. But I had to go through this whole, once again, canceling. Like, And I see this, you know, sometimes it's deliberate canceling because I'm avoiding the person. And then there's canceling because I just haven't looked at what I need. Like right. looking at a calendar is not the same as does yeah. this work for me? And I think for me, I right? <laughs> okay, that's, that's such an important piece because this is something that when I learned it blew my mind and it's so obvious and silly, but just because there's free space in my calendar doesn't mean I'm available. Oh, that's brilliant, Jim. That's brilliant. That's so brilliant. Like, am I available emotionally? Yeah. Am I available psychologically? Am I yep. available? Yeah. I might need to, I might need that time for a walk. I might need that time to just lie on my floor, which I've been doing a lot of. Or, or I might need that time to give to someone else because they're yeah. that's already been set up now again that might be not the most healthiest person waiting for me in the wings but like <gasps> you know have I already given myself away yeah already and that's boundaries isn't it yeah yeah and that's so interesting because it also brings up um okay I think the most important thing that you said is I need to pause and ask myself mm-hmm. and I think as for myself, having people pleasing tendencies, pauses are really scary because then it's, it's like the person, if you say yes, like the person won't believe you because you weren't on board straight away. Right. You don't want to keep them waiting, but there's so much like that pause is so important to check in. First of all, do I even want to do what this person is asking me to do? Second of all, do I, even want to be with this person. Third of all, do I have the space? I know what they're asking for, but do I have space before and after um, to do what I need to do to collect myself, to to transition to the next part of my day for whatever it is? And we don't, we we can't decide those answers by looking at a calendar and seeing if there's empty space. Exactly. I know. And, and, And it's surprising that that's where I always go. And that's because it goes back again. Like I'm not thinking about my own needs. I don't give myself that right or permission, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a a really beautiful starting point is having the awareness to be like, I matter and I'm going to pause when somebody asks something of me. And I've even gotten into the habit of most of the time being able to be like, let me get back to you. Let me think about it. Let me check my calendar. Let me check with Tim. Um, I'll use Tim a lot, actually. If somebody asks me something that I, I, I immediately feel discomfort around, I'm like, mm, let me talk to Tim first. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I like that. It's like a little like a, a safe. Like yeah. A yeah. And then sometimes, and it's not like he decides, but it, it also helps me talk it out with somebody. Like, I know I'm feeling uncomfortable. Why? Like, where is that discomfort coming from? Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. I mean, my, I've worked with counselors who have always said, like, just say to the person, I'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, those, yeah. But, but again, I just, I'm very like <sighs> instinctual or I just yeah. like, maybe yeah. it's you know, action. Like, yes, you know, <laughs> just yeah, I, I know. can't slow that down, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the Friday thing because I was partly wondering if that was another but because, like, but again, I'm I'm not. I didn't label it as that because there's no conscious. But now I realize that it's that it's the same thing, right? 
um, it's when you're not giving yourself the permission to think through your own emotional schedule (laughs) it's the same thing as people pleasing and I wonder now how much during a week I do that (laughs) yeah just you know I look at my calendar oh I've got three o'clock open sure (laughs) oh you know what I love that you called it the emotional calendar and I wonder what would happen if all the blank spaces in your calendar if you just filled them in with just the word pause or even just a reminder, like, let me get back to you. That when you go to your calendar and you see those empty spaces, that's amazing. It just says, let me get back to you. <laughs> like a visual cue. That is such a great technique. I hope our listeners are paying attention. What an amazing tip that I'm going to do that. In fact, because you know how I love to run experiments, yeah. I'm going to do that all on my calendar next week. So I can actually sort of catch how many opportunities I was willing to leap and people please or say yes. (laughs) Oh, I I just love that you call it the emotional calendar. I run two calendars, um, my my clinic calendar and my own personal calendar. And I love that you caught, I'm going to have to add a third one, my emotional calendar. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I know. I love that. I'm definitely going to do that this, this week. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. I'd like to gain some stronger, I guess in short, I'd like to gain some stronger awareness around the spots that I'm actually still people pleasing, but I'm not referring to it as that. Cause I'm yeah. not consciously again yeah. saying like the example with my friend with the walk in those situations, I'm like, okay, he wants it this way. I got to do it. I'm consciously saying that, but there's a bunch of other areas I think where I'm unconsciously, and that's what I'd like to also pay attention to this week. And I'm going to try to space just putting pause in my calendar so I can almost like tracking emotional data too. Like how much am I actually doing this? I think it would be shocking. Yeah, that's really, oh, I love it. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important to have that pause. I feel like you've done all the work. Like for you, when you hear me saying like, oh, I'm going to try this this week or, you know, I'm maybe going to try to get a more of a, an awareness of this. Like, I feel like you've done all the work. Like, do you feel mm, that or is just no. how that? Okay. No, I don't feel that. I feel like I've reflected a lot because I've had a lot of, again, space to do that. And so when I see you doing it, it, it mirrors what I do. <laughs> And so I, I can see it, right? Because I've got some awareness around it. I, I feel like because I've had the luxury to do a lot of reflection and work with a lot of great coaches and therapists that um, I, I do have a level of awareness, but I am still absolutely working. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think maybe what I'm sensing is that you've, you have done a lot of work in the awareness. And I guess what I call the emotional data collection. Yeah. Well, so I'm still a little, a little bit behind there. There is no ahead or behind, right? Like I was talking um, to somebody about this recently about how I always feel like I'm behind. And when the truth is, and we all know this, is that we're exactly where we need to be, exactly where we are right now. And we also growing up in the society that we do, we measure productivity and we measure external things and those are not the right measurements. And Mm -hmm. so as we are learning about ourselves and doing personal development and growing, those are more invisible metrics. Right. Um, but we're the, the fact that we're asking questions and we're being curious 
that is what should be measured, right? Like that's the important bit and no one is ahead or behind. We're all just asking questions together. You're right. That's a really nice way to, to think of that. And I'm going to think about that when those times I'm like, oh, I did that again. And, yeah. and, take it and bring in that self-compassion and, yeah. um, and, and find what I, what works for you, what self-compassionate line works for you. Like, okay, I'm, I'm practicing this. I'm new at it. And within that light, I'm doing really good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've already made progress since our last, uh, yeah, it's so. Yeah, that's, that's so fun. <laughs>